But God said to me, I'm sure David didn't own this sword, but God said to me, you will not build a house for my name because you are a man of war and you have shed blood. Um, how much blood? How many nations had David conquered? The Philistines, the Moabites, the Ammonites, uh, the Archites, the Jebusites. Uh, it goes on and on. Practically the only nation that's in the list that David didn't defeat himself were the Horites, which are the cavemen who are already gone before David ever gets there. Also, on David's watch, uh, his generals, Joab and the others, had some murders going on, sometimes of their own brothers. It's pretty hideous. If, you have a, if you're reading Kings and you have a scorecard, you realize he just killed his own brother and, or his cousin or something like that, or the, or the, or the king's nephew. You know, things like that going on. Yeah, let's continue here. Yet the Lord, the God of Israel, chose me from the whole house of my father uh, to become king over Israel together because he chose Judah as a leader. Let's just get the whole progression here on the bottom of the screen. So God chose Judah. Remember, the Lord did this. Uh, and in the house of Judah, he chose the house of my father, David's father, Jesse, right? And among the sons of my father, he took pleasure in me to make me king over all Israel. Got two names left here though, right? And from all my sons, the Lord has given me many sons. He has chosen my son Solomon to sit upon the throne of the kingdom of who? The Lord, Christ. Yeah, the Lord of Israel. So you have this progression. It went originally Adam and Eve, right? to Noah, to Shem, although that's, you know, that's kind of an after-the-fact promise. And then, who is it? Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and now we have the list. Judah, Jesse, David, Solomon, Christ. Um, so David is concerned not with his own achievements. He could have been listing off the kings he killed, right? But what does he do? This is the legitimacy of my son. This is where this came from God. Solomon is next. That's David's concern. Why would that be such a big deal? Yeah. It, shows, it shows law and gospel. Um, also, although we don't have a mention of it, like I said, we just got done with Adonijah's rebellion. And uh, David wants to be sure nobody else is going to go after uh, the throne after he dies. This is it. Um, Adonijah's rebellion wasn't even over yet, in fact. Adonijah, Adonijah was not put to death in David's lifetime. Solomon allowed him to live. It was only after, I, I'm talking too much about Adonijah, let's leave that for next time. But uh, he'd be killed later on for, for the, continuing the rebellion. He said to me, this is God talking to David, Solomon, your son, is the one who will build my house and my courtyards because I have chosen him for myself as a son. I will be his father. I will establish his kingdom forever if he is committed to keeping my commandments and my ordinances as is happening today. So I'm, I'm thinking ahead to when this is written in the days of Ezra and Nehemiah, because that's when Chronicles ends. And they, the people had not always remained faithful to all of this, 
Um, and I, uh, but they've just come back from the exile when this is written. When they're getting this message, we're still the people of God. So God forgives the repentant sinner. Um, the message is God is with us. He was with Solomon. God will preserve us. Did the people already know? I mean, I know we're not there in the story yet, but did people know that Solomon had problems later on? Sure they knew. They recognized that. Um, but uh, still the people of God. Now, in the sight of all Israel, the assembly of the Lord and in the hearing of our God, keep and seek out all the commandments of the Lord your God. Isn't that an interesting line? Seek out the commandments of the Lord your God. So don't just keep what you know, but make sure that you know all of them. You know, keep looking into the word. Keep looking. Uh, so you may possess the good land and live in it as an inheritance for your children after you forever. The word forever in Hebrew is pronounced olam, like O-L-A-M, which we say olam together. Olam, and it really means time that can't be measured. Um, sometimes it gets translated as forever, but it really means sort of unmeasurable, unbounded time, a really, really long time. Does that mean that the Jews must possess Palestine for, forever and ever? No, it doesn't. It means that David is praying that the people would live in it as an inheritance. And really, for how long? What really mattered? From David who's to Christ. Yeah. And what was God's judgment on Israel after they rejected Christ? Yeah, you're out. Um, and so the land, the, the, the second temple was brought down. The land is destroyed. The Romans had the had the audacity to rename Israel. Do you know what the word Palestine means? The Romans gave it that name. Have I told you that? No. It's the Latin way of pronouncing Philistia. Palestine. So Palestine, the land of the Philistines. What a slap in the face to Israel to, to say, who are your most vile enemies? We're going to call the country by that name now. And why did the Romans call it by that name? Well, that's where their boats landed. You know, down at, down at Gaza or whatever. They landed in Palestine, so they called it that. But what a, what a uh, humiliating uh, name to give to the land. 40 miles? I'm counting my thumbs. Uh, something like that. Yeah, Jerusalem is one thumb, 10 miles about from the top of the Dead Sea over to the west. And there are about four more thumbs on, on, on any scale map, I'm going to say, uh, to, to get to, to, to Philistia. It's not very, you know, Israel's pretty tiny. If you count the land on the other side of the Jordan and everything that went all the way up to Mount Hermon and everything, all of Israel fits inside of Minnesota, you know. But if, uh, if Apple Valley, do you know where Apple Valley is? If Apple Valley is Jerusalem, New Ulm would be Beersheba, the southernmost limit. And you know what, you know what I, I'm sorry, I've, I've told you this joke before, but if you use that scale, do you know where um, Sodom and Gomorrah were? 
it's Minneapolis and St. Paul. Yeah, but uh, I'll just, sorry. You, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart and with a willing mind because the Lord searches all hearts. He understands every, every thought people plan. If you seek him, he will let you find him. If you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Um, that's one of those passages. He understands every thought people plan. Uh, the Lord guides our steps. There are also a couple of proof passages that God alone knows our every thought. This is one of them. Uh, uh, the Lord alone knows the thoughts of man. That's comforting because who does that leave out? Who doesn't know your thoughts? Yeah, the devil doesn't know your thoughts. He, if you talk to yourself, then he can hear you. you know. But that's also why, um, you know, say your prayers out loud. Out loud, well, he, so he can hear you. Nah, the, the devil's a jerk. He wants to. He he he's 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 a liar. He's a cheat. He's a swindler. He's a dork. I have a lot more words for the devil, and a lot that Luther used that I won't repeat in polite company. But and sorry to have said jerk and dork out loud. I I, I maybe shouldn't, but uh, out loud so he can hear you. Yeah, yeah. Get behind me, Satan! And don't mumble, you know. It, consider this carefully, because the Lord has chosen you, this is Solomon, to build a house for the holy place. Be strong and do it. Here's one of those singular yous um, in, 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 in Hebrew. Another very famous one is in Numbers chapter 6. The Lord bless you and keep you. All those yous in the, in the, in the Aaronic benediction are singular. So he's, telling, he's saying it to millions of people. But the Lord bless you is singular. You personally. You're not just faceless in the crowd to God. Verse 11. David gave his son Solomon the plan for the porch, its buildings, its storage rooms, its upper rooms, its inner chambers, and the chamber for the atonement seat. That phrase, the chamber for the atonement seat, only occurs in the Pentateuch and here. So only in like Exodus and Numbers and here. Um, the special place where God has his footstool. Um, that special chamber for the atonement seat. Put it, I mean, we talk about the holy of holies in other places, but this phrase only here. He also gave him the plans for everything he had in mind for the courtyard of the house of the Lord, for all the chambers around it, for the storage rooms and for the storage rooms for the dedicated gifts, I apologize, I'm not, I didn't catch all of the capitalized lords. They're, they're all supposed to be here. Um, that's me doing the capitalizing because when you download translations from the internet, um, the capitalization sometimes doesn't come through because they don't use capitalized. They use, it's small, called small caps or something. Yeah, um, David's going to talk about that again a little bit later. Um, so, but where do you go between mind and spirit in some contexts? So I'm not going to make a judgment call on better translation here, but, but he, received, he didn't receive them orally for, as, like Moses did for the tabernacle from the Lord. He, the spirit put them into his mind um, in, in, in some way. Uh, uh, and then David wrote it down. So did, did David have visions or dreams or uh, 
did it just make sense to David because he understood, uh, you know, Exodus and, and poured over the scriptures and really learned them that he kind of came up with this idea? The temple was, I've got four things here. The temple was number one, correct, a place for sacrifices and obedience. Let's fulfill the word of the Lord. But it was also a place for forgiveness and healing. Therefore, the, tab, the temple was an illustration of law and gospel. Um, and then the temple is therefore a model that points ahead to Christ. Um, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, it's a place for sacrifice. I should have added prayers there, sacrifices, prayers, and obedience, forgiveness, and healing, law and gospel, pointing ahead to Jesus. All right, so you have this picture. Um, it's uh, maybe just as blurry on your sheet as it is there on the screen. You can see the Ark of the Covenant a little bit better. One other difference you sometimes have is which way did the Ark of the Covenant face? Um, the Jews usually talk about in the temp tabernacle, at least, the poles stuck out the curtain. So it seems like it did face what I would think of as sideways and not, you know, so the long way or the, the, the narrow way on, uh, that seems like it's maybe correct. Also, can you see um, maybe the, the priest inside, and by the way, since he's got a, a pretty robe, it's the high priest, What's, um, he's got the table of the bread beside him there and the, and the altar of incense in front of him. And then do you see how many candelabras are in there? So it's a bunch of them. Um, not just the one. Uh, and yet, when the temple was attacked by the Babylonians and they carried it away, and in their, in their picture, or rather the Romans, I'm sorry, not the Babylonians, but the Romans, um, they, they carved uh, an image of the, of the lampstand in the triumphal arch in Rome. And there's only one. There aren't several of them. Um, so I don't know if the artist here thinks that it wasn't enough light or would it have been too big or whatever it, it was. But You also have, if you can see, one of the pillars is cut away. You can see that the main doors are, uh, they're, they're, they're also louvered doors, uh, bifolds. Um, so wood overlaid with gold and then swinging. Um, there better have been a pretty good mechanism and hinge on top or they would have been mighty heavy. But if you have a good hinge, nothing is too heavy to push with your hands. You know, it just, just swings. You know, never my closet, but other, you know, where, where stuff works. In your houses, I'm sure it all, it's all good. You know. I'm going to skip a little bit. Uh, there's, there's a lot of stuff David prescribed, including the weights for everything. Uh, and the lampstands, uh, so forth. Uh, there, was, there was a gold lampstand and some silver lampstands. Um, the, the, the table of the showbread, there are also, also silver tables. I'm not sure what they were for. Um, but everything was designed very carefully by David. And then look at this list. Meat hooks, sprinkling bowls, pure gold pitchers, each gold bowl, each small silver bowl. David had everything planned out, designed. This is how much it'll weigh. Probably the specs, tall, deep, you know, what the, what, 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 what the depth and draft is of everything. He obviously worked very carefully with the priests to find out just the kind of tools that were going to be needed, and he provided all of it. 
um, and so forth. And then look at this. The weight of refined gold for the altar of incense and the plan for the chariot for the gold cherubim who are spreading their wings and covering the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. Now chariot there is singular. Cherubim is almost always plural and it is here. Um, does this mean a chariot per cherub? Or it's kind of an awkward sentence, but you can get away with that in Hebrew sometimes. That I think the NIV has the, the chariot, that is to say, or something like that, the gold cherubim, something along those lines. Um, there's usually a, a Hebrew letter there. There's a, there's a vav or an and that we would translate that is to say. It's not there here. This is two words, chariot, as if it's in the construct, although it's not in the construct, but it doesn't always end up that way. But a chariot for or of the gold cherubim spreading their wings and covering the Ark of the Covenant. So uh, what is this chariot? Um, I have three ideas and maybe you have more. But it might be that this chariot, are the, are the cherubim riding in chariots? Which would have been kind of cool. You know, impressive and everything like that. Also, I, I guess kind of portable, depending if the chariots were functioning. Or was it a single raised platform that is a kind of chariot for everything, the ark and the cherubim and all of it? You know, would, you know, I mean, in our church, is the altar raised? Yeah, how many steps do you climb to get up to the altar? One long and three short. One long and three short, yeah, yeah. Why three and one? I don't know if that's correct, but it's what I always think of. But my, my third idea here is that chariot could be another name for the cherubim. In uh, Kings, you have the chariot of fire, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. Yeah, I, so I don't know. I, I don't know. We don't have any other details about it, so I don't know what to say. So I just want to be honest and let you know that here's the text and... I'm not sure. Somebody said the beginning of wisdom is the ability to say I don't know. That must make me the wisest man. There's a lot I don't know. David said all this is in writing because the hand of the Lord was on me. He made clear all the specifications involved in the plan. So David didn't design it out of his own head. David said to Solomon, be strong and be courageous and do this. Do not fear and do not be overwhelmed. Because the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you. He will not forsake you while all the work for the service for the house of the Lord is being finished. Um, by the way, that also meant that the land had peace. One of the reasons for all the wars David fought was so that the land would have peace. Because it took years to build the temple. Um, and there was, there's a lot of labor involved. And Solomon conscripted people to, who weren't happy about it to, 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 to come and do all, but where are you going to get all the, you know, who's going to do the work? Is Solomon going to lift all the three-ton blocks and stuff himself and, and so forth? Well, he did pay for it. Look, the divisions of the priests and the Levites have been designated for all the service in the house of God. Wow, do we ever know that? If you've ridden the ride of 1 Chronicles, you know that verse 21 is dead true. David made the lists, didn't he? He ordered the people. 
With you in all this work is every willing man, every skilled in every form of service, the officials and all the people who are ready for all your directions. My last question here in the chapter is, we, we have not been called on by the Lord to build a temple, yet David's encouragement to Solomon also fits our lives as God's people. How so? Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Yeah. They kept the, there aren't very many places in the Bible where you hear that refrain, and they did everything just as the Lord had commanded. It's mostly when they're building the tabernacle and when they're building the temple. Otherwise, they pretty much don't, right? Different view of the, of, uh, the temple using architecture of the period, that kind of nice crenellated bumpiness on the, on the top is pretty typical of this period. Um, you see again the side rooms and so forth and how they, one thing that the, that the picture doesn't tell you is how they got in. You know, that, I think there are more doors than just one um, and so forth, but a lot of little people. You get a nice tall altar there, pretty hard to get to, but that altar's gotta be um, 18 feet tall and the steps only go up about six feet, so I don't know. Do they do you carry a stepladder with you? I don't know. I, I don't think that's designed very well. Um, this one you have on your sheet. This is a closer view, but this one kind of tells you where it was in relation to the rest of the city and gives you a different view of the altar over there on the right. Long ramp and then room for lots and lots of sacrifices going on, um, but with the gates about where they were. And by the way, do you see the, the, uh, the bigger house to the left, it looks like it's got two courtyards. Um, that's a representation of, of the, the, um, the palace of Solomon, as archaeologists have figured out where it probably was, leading right into the temple court. And then below it, do you see the steps going down, down, down? There's another wall and a house down there at the bottom. That's also where we think David's actual palace was. So Solomon built up this uh, sort of rise called the Millow, and, and uh, he built his palace right up against the courtyard of the temple and had a, it evidently a special stairway going into the temple courtyard that impressed the Queen of Sheba. And I don't know if she was impressed by the temple or by the cool stairway, but whatever it was, um, there's something there. Just a closer view of that, what it might have looked like. Another artist's view. Um, this one leaves something to be desired. Uh, for one thing, the, the drawing makes it pitch dark inside. Um, also, if that's a wall on the, on the far edge where the stairs of the, of the altar go down, there's no room to maneuver next to, the, next to the altar to get up the stairs. It's like the terrible positioning of the, of the downstairs steps in my house. There's not enough room in my house for my stairs. So they're not built at a regulation slope. So for 20 years, my back's been getting worse and worse, going up and down my terrible basement steps that are too steep. You know, so anyway. Here are those pillars just standing out in the middle of nowhere. Different way of looking at it. Also, the, the, the Holy of Holies on ground level on the left. I, I kind of like that version. Uh, over on the right... Uh, or in the middle, rather, of... No, on, on the right, the, the blue circles around that really tall altar. Um, um, 
I don't know if I'd want to carry a slaughtered bull all the way up those stairs. Um, well, it's a young man's job. These are actual, um, and Ezekiel's picture of the temple had the left-hand altar with the tears, but that never got built. Solomon's altar is probably the gold one, the, that's about the size of it, which is why I said you could probably have nine or more or 16 fires going on up there. And then you have different um, uh, altars of various kinds. There's a guy standing looking at a rock that's probably the kind that Abraham or Jacob used. And then a little pile of stones. Jacob may have done that. Um, <clears throat> then there's one uh, with horns on it, kind of the white one there. It's actually, this is what it actually looks like. It was discovered at Beersheba. Um, and uh, uh, it's, it's been filled in with some pieces, but the lighter stones are the actual stones that have been discovered. Um, and so the altars did have horns. Why? Well, for one thing, to pour out the stuff, and for another thing, to, uh, to hold the sticks and the wood while the animal was being burned. The horns of the altar? Yeah. That's where the sacrifices are made. I want the blood that's been... Poured out to the Lord. I want my hands to be there so my blood is shed to the Lord also. If you're going to kill me, you're going to kill me right here. Uh, no, I, well, that's in Abraham's time. Don't dress the stones. For this altar, they did. In fact, God said, make, make the thing of bronze. So, yeah, dress. This is, but here at Beersheba, um, yeah, they, uh, they, they, they evidently... Um, and I don't know, though, if this, is a, if this is an altar to the Lord. It could also be an altar to a false god. You know, but they all seem to follow this pattern of these horns um, on, the, on the edges. You've been listening to Invisible Church, the Bible study podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church, New Wall, Minnesota.